For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you, Lord, for the songs today. Lord, how great thou art. Lord, I was listening as she began to sing, uh, sing when I was in the forest glades, and when I was around the, the, in, in the woods and, and by the creek. All I could say was how great thou art. And then she got down to that last verse, I believe it was, when, when you send your son and with a shout of acclamation, my soul, Lord, I'm thankful today that I could unabashedly and unashamedly say today that you are great. God, we thank you for Calvary. We thank you, Lord, for that prayer time that we have. Lord, for that prayer closet that we have where we can go. And, and though it may seem like sometimes there's, there's no answer, I'm glad that there's been a few times that we've been connected with you. God, we pray now that you would touch us as we try to preach your word. Speak to our hearts. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to try to preach on this thought this morning, not in vain. Not in vain. And as much as I would like to give you some snappy, some catchy tune, uh, or not tune, but title rather for the New Year message, I can remember probably the earliest one is what are you going to do in 1992 and all these kind of things? It's time to thrive in 1995. Ain't God great in 1988? Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Well, I don't have one of those this morning. The title's just simply Not in Vain. I mentioned on Wednesday night that this would be our springboard for the new year. And uh, I want to follow through on that statement. 2020, I mentioned this Wednesday, I mentioned it last Sunday. Uh, as well, but 2020 was a year uh, that most of us will love to forget, if truth be known. Uh, there's, there's, uh, I'm looking forward to Wednesday morning. I'm not going to lie to you. If the Lord don't come back, I'm looking to turn on the TV and not having to listen to Raphael Warnock and, and Kelly, whatever her name is, and all the other people. I'm just tired. I don't care what, what color they are. I don't care what kind of mule they ride, it don't matter to me. I just rather get them off my TV. Somebody go ahead and say amen right there. At this point, I can care less who we are. I just ready to go on with life. But uh, politics, man, 2020 has been full of politics. And with that goes a lot of things. 2020's had for us two separate quarantines as a church, and then individuals have quarantined themselves just to be safe. That's not a word that I don't know that I've ever used that word in public speaking before this year. And then coronavirus hit the church in August and September. And of course, we had a, a tremendous loss during that time. And coronavirus, even now, is on the rise. If you look at the, uh, at the statistics, it seems as though the amount of cases are rising again. Or steel, however you want to put it. So it's not something that we can necessarily lower our guards, but I believe we can continue to live. Now, this is not a message about coronavirus. Don't, don't misunderstand. But I do believe this. If, if our entire life is dictated by a virus and uh, necessities to keep one safe, then we are not living our life. The Lord Jesus says that he came to give life and life more abundantly 
Now, I'm not saying to drop all of our stuff and start doing everything and start giving one another a holy kiss again. I'm not saying all that. Uh, there's some of us in here that know folks that have done that, and, and they too have suffered the consequences of completely dropping their guard and acting as if it had never happened. But And so we're not going to do that, but I will say today that we need, as a church and as individuals, I would encourage you to live your life. Everything, the scripture says that everything that we do needs to be done for the glory of God. Every time we find somebody hiding in the scripture, God tells them to quit hiding and go. And so I think we need to go. Our, our community deserves that this church goes. Our community deserves to hear the gospel. There's, uh, there's places all around us that are for sale or that have uh, sold signs. Or uh, I noticed this little church down here on the left. I have, over the last several months of coming back to church, I have yet to see a car there on Sunday. And it makes me wonder if they stopped or if, they're, if they are playing it extremely safe and staying home. I don't know what their intentions or their condition are, but there is a community that surrounds us on every side that deserves that this church goes into the world and preaches the gospel to every creature. Death. Death has hit us in, in tremendous ways. With Brother Dent passing, of course, with your grandmother passing, with uh, others in here that have lost loved ones this year, with or without COVID. Just, the, just the, the 2020 in that year alone, it seems like death has just been heaped upon us. And I want you to know something. That we are now 59 and a half hours past 2020. We are now 59 and a half hours into a new year. And it's okay to celebrate. It's okay to move beyond 2020. It's okay to say, I have made it. It's okay to say, I didn't crumble under the weight of 2020. Matter of fact, uh, Leah and Kurt and Camden and, and our family were at the house on New Year's night and I was so enamored with the fact that I wasn't worried about politics and wasn't worried about society. We were watching Disney's Tangled, I believe. And I say, hallelujah, that's the way to go out in 2020. Let this little girl with long hair beat somebody with a frying pan all night long. I say, hallelujah, that's the way to go. But listen, 2020 is now gone. Uh, on Wednesday night, I read Luke chapter 9, verse number 62. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And I said again on Wednesday night, let's grab a hold of that plow of this year, seek out the will of God in our lives, and look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If we can, we can get to get bogged down in the things that happened last year. We can do that, or we can look forward to what God has promised, and we'll look at some of that here in just a moment. Uh, but I want us to look at the very first word in verse number 58. Now, if you're taking notes, I'm just going to have to email you this. There ain't no sense in me trying to, to call out stuff because I, I don't even know what I'm fixing to say. But the verse number 58, therefore, 
What does this word mean? We've always heard preachers get up and say, well, anytime you see the word therefore, you got to figure out what it's there for. Why is it there? And so uh, the word therefore defined is for that reason or consequently. And so there's some things in the previous verses that the Apostle Paul is calling to the attention of the church at Corinth and he is wanting them to remember and to retain those things that have been said. I believe from verse number 51, especially down to verse number 57. But if you begin to look in this entire chapter of chapter 15, you will see that he begins to, to uh, uh, issue out some doctrine that will help you in these last days of ours. In verse number 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, what are some of those things that are there? Well, let's look back in verse number uh, 51. He says, behold, I show you a mystery. And I love this. We shall not all sleep. He said, not all of us are going to die. Not all of us are going to go to God through the grave. But listen to what he says. He didn't, he didn't cut it short. He says, we shall not all sleep. But then he says, but we shall all be changed. Whether we go in the grave or whether we go through the clouds, there is going to be a change. And Paul says in verse number 58, listen, there's some things that you need to give. There's some things before you can ever really, really uh, understand the rest of verse number 58. You've got to give the rest of this. He says, we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. And so let's look for a moment. When will this change happen? Well, the Bible says in a moment. In a moment. He goes on and says in the twinkling of an eye. Now, as we uh, quote, as we say the word down here in just a moment or the phrase just a moment, that could mean a minute, five minutes, an hour, whatever it be. It, may, it, it just declares to whoever you're saying it, not at this point in time. But I believe that when the Apostle Paul says here, in a moment, I believe that he's talking about a measurable amount of time here. He says, I don't know how quick it will be, but before you know it, it will happen and we will be changed. But then he went on, he says, in the twinkling of an eye. And I've heard preachers get up and they say that it's, it's a fraction of a second. It's, I mean, just a small fraction of a second. And I don't understand that. I don't know if it's if it's truly there, but listen, it says in a moment, Paul says in a measurable amount of time, and then he says in a twinkling of an eye, he says that it's going to be so fast that you won't even ever see it. It's going to be so fast that if you blink, you're going to miss it. It's going to be so fast. He says it's measurable, but at the same time, you won't be able to see it. Then he goes on and he says, at the last trump. What did the Bible say in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4? He says, then the trump shall sound. Let's look over there and see what he says. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4, he says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And notice what it says, And the dead in Christ shall rise first. So let's look at this. I told you that in a moment... When will this change happen? In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, when the Lord descends from heaven. 
When I said, when the Lord descends from heaven and he begins to shout that shout of acclamation and he declares that these things belong to him and he begins, he says that there will be a trumpet sound. At the trumpet sound, he says, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall all be changed. This is going to happen quick. Before we can ever get to be ye steadfast in verse number 58, we got to realize there's a therefore. The therefore is that we shall all be changed. When will it happen? In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. But then what will happen? Well, he says very clearly there also in 1 Thessalonians that the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Maybe you're one of these nuts that like to watch dead people walk around. Zombies and ghosts and stuff. I, I don't I don't like I don't like dead people. I, I don't I, I know that sounds bad, but I do not like I don't like being around it. I, I, I've always said, and I'm fixing to throw this thing. I've always said I never want to pastor a church with a graveyard. You walk out that back door, honey, you fall asleep in the middle of one. And if you ever get, if you ever get like you feel like you, Miss Leah, and walk around the church in the back in the dark, you're gonna be in the middle of a graveyard. But he says this: listen, the dead shall be raised incorruptible. All of all of the 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 videos and, and the the TV shows and movies that you see is when somebody comes up from the grave. They're dragging one foot behind them. Their face is all falling off. They've got scars. They've got to just look future and everything. But the Bible says that at the last trump, in the moment, in a twinkling of an eye, he says that they're going to be raised incorruptible. They will not look. I said they will not look like they look in that casket. They will, I'm about to run. They will not look like they look when you... Y'all better help me. They will not look like they look when you said your last goodbye. They're not going to do it. They will be raised incorruptible. They're not going to have any... They're not. Miss Mildred, I'm not making fun of you or anybody else, but listen, if you're wearing a hearing device, you won't have to worry about that anymore. You won't have to worry about a crutch, a cane, an oxygen hose, or anything else. I said you'll be raised incorruptible. What, 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 what's going to happen? The dead will be raised incorruptible. But then he says the corruptible, these things that perish, the, these things that the moth and rust doth corrupt, the clothes that we wear one day will be eaten by moths, the, the, the metal that we, that we have maybe in our joints, Miss Jean, one day will be rusted away. And one of these days, these these things that we hold so dear down here, they're going to be gone, just a memory. But guess what? He says, the corruptible, this flesh, Brother Jody, that's breaking down. This morning on my left side, man, it's hurting. One of these days, I'm going to be able to high step and not have to worry about a hitch in my giddy up. Somebody help me say amen. One of these days, I'm going to be able to walk upstairs without huffing and puffing. One of these days, I'm going to wake up and I'm not going to have to worry about aches, pain, sinuses, headaches, or anything else. There's going to be a day that this corruptible flesh will have put on incorruption. Amen. 
There's some things to notice in these previous verses before we ever get. I think I'm in the introduction. I'm not real sure. But next, the mortal must put on immortality. This mortal flesh that we have, this flesh that's living, breathing, this flesh that's walking, that's seeing, that's hearing, this flesh that we hold our bodies in, this body that we have one day, uh, if, if we go by the grave, it will be buried and the, the, the worms will consume it. And time will take its toll. But honey, at this day, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, he says, we shall be changed. But the dead shall be raised incorruptible. He says, the corruptible must put on incorruption. And the mortal must put on immortality. This morning, something's going to happen at, the, at this last trump. When we're changed. I love what it says. The mortal must put on immortality. You don't have a choice in the matter. If you're one of God's children. And you've passed to the grave. Before you can ever get into heaven. You must put on immortality. If you are alive when the Son of God returns in the sky and you are raptured, you are called away out of this place, you must put on immortality. And you must enter into those gates incorruptible. He said you must. It is necessary. So we saw here today, uh, when shall will this change happen? What will happen? Why will it happen? Well, it, it, look with me. It says this corruptible put on incorruption, mortal must put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And so anytime, of course, you see it is written or, or these things shall be brought to pass, the saying. So we got to look it up. Isaiah 25, verse number 8. It says this, he will swallow up death in victory and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off their faces and, re and the rebuke of his people shall be taken away from off the earth for the Lord hath spoken it. Today, the reason that it must happen is so prophecy can be fulfilled. Isaiah said that in Christ, he will swallow up death and give us the victory. Not only that, but to call in triumph. Notice what the word of God says here. He said, we brought to pass the saying which is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Verse number 55, though, this is not part of Isaiah 25, verse number 8. I believe that this is our heart's call from Isaiah. And he says, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? And so there is a call in triumph. He begins, I can see now, as he's getting excited, as he's writing this, and puts his pen down and begins just to cup his hands around his face and says, Oh, death! Oh, death! What does he say? Where is thy sting? Remember what he just said, Miss Kim? He just quoted Isaiah 25, verse number 8. And he says that death, or he will swallow up death in victory. 
And Paul is writing, and he's getting excited, Miss Jean. And he says, oh, death, where's your sting? Then he went on, and he says, oh, grave, hey, grave, where's your victory? Now, this word victory, it carries the meaning of, of winning a case in court. A lawsuit has been brought against you, and the judgment is just about to be made. But this... <laughs> This word victory means that though, though the evidence was stacked against you, though it looked as if you were guilty, though it looked as if you were fixing to be put away under the jail, he says that he gave victory. In other words, Miss Fabra, we don't have to worry about those things anymore. Jesus has wiped them away. They're gone. They're gone. They're gone. This is old death. Where is thy sting? Oh, brave, where is thy victory? There's a call to triumph. Then there were some declarations. He says this, the sting of death is sin. The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. So now we look at this, the sting of death. They say, why do we have, why, why, why is there death? Because there were two people in a garden long ago that disobeyed God's commandment and ate of the fruit and God issued judgment that would result in death. The sting of death is sin. The reason that we have death, the reason that death stings is because of sin. But then he said the strength of sin is the law. What does this mean? Well, Galatians said that the law was our schoolmaster. In Romans chapter 3, verse number 20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Verse number 13 of chapter number 5 of Romans, For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Here these verses simply say that before the law, they didn't know what was sin. But now there is a law. Now there is a commandment. Now there are. Now there is the Holy Spirit dwelling within us that tells us right and wrong. Because of that, there is sin. And he said the strength of sin is the law. Leo's James, he said, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. You take these little babies, these little children. <clears throat> Can I tell something on Camden? Okay. Camden was in the bathroom back here. I was in one stall and his daddy was in the other stall and apparently he was done. And he said, daddy, I want to go, I want to go under the door. And he said, no, don't go under the door. But I just want to go under the door. He kept repeating, he kept repeating himself. I don't. I want to go under the door. He said, "Don't do it." In other words, brother John, that was a law laid down. Don't go under the door. Now, as far as I know, the bathroom's clean. But I ain't stubbing on crawling around on the bathroom floor. Somebody help me. <laughs> Corona or not. And for this little boy. All he knew is, hey, I can crawl under that door. I just want to have fun. And that's the way sin seems. It seems like you can have fun. It's, and there's nothing wrong with it. And there would have been nothing wrong with it in his eyes until daddy said, don't do it. 
Because when daddy said that, Brother Kenny, it means there is a law. And where there is a law, there is a punishment. That's the idea here. The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. The reason that we have death is because of sin. And the reason we have sin is because of the knowledge of the law and the judgment that comes along with it. Some declarations there. Now let's look at the shouts of victory. Paul is, I believe Paul's still just beside himself. And he says, but thanks be to God. He's thinking about the law. He's thinking about Korah that broke the law and, and him and his whole family got swallowed up in the depths of hell. He's thinking about Achan that disobeyed God's command and took of the Babylonian's garment. And because of that, uh, the whole nation of Israel was defeated by a little country named Ai. And because of that, him and his whole family was stoned. He was thinking about all those times that the law because of the law had told what was sin and they broke it and they sinned how the law judged men and women and children. He's thinking about that. Then he says, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say again today, thanks be to God. I mentioned this earlier. Uh, these commercials that you—I'll tell you what—and and I hope y'all see. I hope somebody sees it. I hope if you're watching this, you're a politician. Don't ask me for money and then send me a bunch of junk mail for three months, and all I'm gonna do is trash it. I don't care nothing about your picture being on the postcard. That's free. Y'all don't gotta pay a dime for that. I had a powwow with the with the uh, post lady the other day and I'm like well there's some of that mail you probably keep she said no sir I gotta give it and she said you don't know how much time we yeah. spend passing out all of this stuff and I'm like well you, you just keep it throw it on trash I'll burn it one day just throw it on the floor it don't matter to me but listen listen to what it said because of because of who God he said but thanks be to God I said all that to say this I'm glad that our politicians do not hold our eternity in their hands. I'm glad, and maybe some of the things that they throw at one another, maybe they're true. Maybe this one embezzled. Maybe this one got some inside information on his stocks. Maybe this lady did this, and this one did that. Maybe all of that junk is true. But not one accusation could stand up in any court of law about God. Not one thing that man has ever said bad about God has ever been proven true. There's an old song, I've never been disappointed in him. And I tell you, there's been a few times that I have been disappointed. Listen to me closely. I've been disappointed. But as I began to look at my circumstance and the answer that was given in result of my prayer and my seeking and my asking, I cannot in good conscience truly be disappointed in Jesus. Because I know that he has my best interest in mine. I told you the other day, Lori and I have been married, been married 18 years. Right? Been married 18 years. I said 19 last Sunday, but I corrected <clears throat> We've been married for 19 years. About how much? 18 years. 
Probably about three years before that, four years before that, something like that, Miss Denisha, Brother Stanley, I prayed. There was a girl down there, and I prayed, Lord, let this be the one. Could you imagine if I had, if God had answered that the way I wanted it to? I wouldn't have my two beautiful girls. I wouldn't have my wife of 18 years. Chances are I never would have moved to Tennessee. Chances are I never would have met these folks. Chances are I never would have moved down here. But if God had, had given me what I wanted, then his plan, his plan would have been messed up. But because he said no, because he moved me from Palatka to Knoxville, He issued his will in my life. But thanks be to God, the Apostle Paul said. Not to men, not to Caesar, not, not to the country of Rome, not to the rulers, not to any of the high priests, but thanks be to God. What is he talking about? Well, remember, he's talking about the law. He's talking about sin. He's talking about death. He's talking about the rapture. He's talking about the, 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 the change that will be made. And he said, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is having shouts of victory. Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory. But then he says, how does he give the victory? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do you think that he gave us the victory through Christ? By Christ walking up that road. By Christ being spat upon and beaten and bruised and placed upon somebody else's cross. His joints were pulled out of socket. His skin was falling off of him. Blood was running and gushing out of his body. But because of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, he gave us victory. Now, we get to the message. I'm going to give you just, give me, give me six minutes. I want you to see this in verse number 58. I've had a good time this morning. Verse number 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. In the Lord. Let's look at this. We figured out what the therefore was now. Now I want you to notice we see a directed message. Therefore, my beloved brethren, he is not talking to just any person. He is not talking to anybody that might read this. He is talking to in this in the context of this, he is talking to the born-again believers at Corinth. But now that we have the canon of the Scripture, we can claim that he is talking to us as born-again believers. And he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, one writer said, The sound doctrine kindles Christian love. Jesus says, If you want to know if you're truly saved, love the brethren. Sounds a whole lot familiar to me. If we truly, if we truly want to do what God wants us to do, love the brethren. We live in a time though where, where uh, it seems like everybody's opinions need to be made known, and 
and need to be accepted as gospel. It seems as though everybody's opinion, uh, if you don't agree with it, then you're wrong in, in all of these, these things. But I want you to know today, there needs to be some love among the people of God today. From the aisle over here to over there, from pew to pew, or from piano to singer, we need to have the love of the brethren. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren. Solomon talking about his bride. He called her his beloved. That's not a word just to take lightly. That word means that they are precious, dear, close to one's heart. He says, my beloved brethren. Number two, we see a dedicated maneuver. He just told us all of these things about things to come. He told us about the shout. He, he told us about all of these, the trumpet and this, that. He says, now I need you to do something. Therefore, my beloved brethren, he says, now you've heard about the things that are coming, and because of that, I need you to listen. I need you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. He says, I'm going to give you a dedicated maneuver. He said, this is going to work no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter how far along in your spiritual life you are. He says, you are to be steadfast. Another writer said, not turning aside from faith of the resurrection of yourself. He says, remember that in verse number 51, when he begins to show us the mystery, to verse number 57, when he says, thanks be to God that giveth us the victory. He says, I want you to be steadfast. And in that, I want you to remember that you as a believer are counted in this number. Be steadfast. I've got a note in my Bible that the word steadfast means to be firm. But then he says unmovable. Unmovable is not to be turned aside by others. Look at verse number 12, the same chapter. He begins to deal with something. He says, now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead? There, there just as it was in chapter 3 and some other chapters in 1 Corinthians, there were some murmurings that, that some of the things that were being preached by Paul weren't true. And one of those was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so he is addressing this murmuring here. And he says, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead... I'll say some of you that there is no resurrection of the dead. Let's look at verse 13. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. Now, this may confuse you, so I need you just to, just to listen. Paul's fixing to make a case. He's fixing to make a case against their idea of no resurrection. And if there's no resurrection, then Christ was not risen. Listen to me closely now. He says, if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. If Christ is not risen, our preaching and our faith is vain. He says, yeah, yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that it raised up Christ. Let's look back to verse number 16. For if 
the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, then your faith is in vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. There's no hope for those that have gone on. He says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But look at verse number 20. If you stop at verse number 19, you'll never do anything for God. Verse number 20, though, says, but now is Christ risen from the dead. Somebody say amen right there. Paul is saying, listen boys, if you want to believe that, then you need to get something straight. Our preaching's in vain. Our faith is in vain. You're still lost in your sin. All those that are dead are perished. There's no hope for anybody. But thanks be to God, He is risen. Amen. He is risen. He says, unmovable. Don't be turned aside about what other people say. There's going to be people murmur. There's going to be people give you their opinion that may be contrary to the word of God. But listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen. Follow the word of God. You can go to any Bible bookstore and you can find a, a small section of King James Bibles. You'll find a pretty good section of New King James. You'll find another good section of, of NIV and RSV and, and uh, all, 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 all the ESV and all the other uh, different things. But listen, there's a reason that that King James Bible has such a small section. It's because people don't buy it as often as they did. Because they say they can't understand thee and thou and and this, that, and the other. They say that it's antiquated. Uh, they say that there's no sense in following these antiquated rules when we can look and, and the things that are so offensive in the King James are now turned into something uh, that's more palatable. Listen, sin, if it ever becomes palatable, you're in a bad fix, honey. Amen. Sin ought to leave a bad taste in our mouth. I don't care if it's I don't care if it's got I didn't even let I have my Bible rebound. I didn't even let them put Holy Bible on the front of mine. I wanted people to ask what you got there. I can open them up. Miss Mildred said, that's the word of God. Everything that's stamped Holy Bible on the cover, you better open its pages. You better open its pages, make sure it's talking about the blood of Christ. The sacrifice that he made on Calvary. And that resurrection. You better make sure it talks about sin. And, and look for a lot of sin in the word of God. Because some of it does just water down. That's free too. You don't have to worry about any compensation there. Always abounding, he says. This is at all times. This doesn't sound proper. But in, in defining this word always, it, it means at all times, but this doesn't sound proper. Every when. Every when. W-H-E-N. When is it going to happen? That's the word used. Every when. So we're going to think about this. And it's simply put, it, it, it means that at every opportunity to take it. If an opportunity arises to abound or to exceed, take it. He says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. 
You can do what you've been asked, or you can exceed the expectation. Let's look quickly. A developed motivation. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Here's the developed motiv motivation. He says that your labor is not in vain. This, there's a word that leads to that. Always abounding in the word of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. This word for as much. This means so far or up to this point. The word ye know or the, the two words ye know, it comes from the word Brother David Dent gave it to us in Sunday school months and months ago. It is the Greek word that's pronounced Ido, and it means to perceive with one's own eyes to experience or to discern. He says, up to this point, for as much as ye know or as ye have experienced, as you have perceived with your own eyes, and as you have discerned, he said, your labor is not in vain. In other words, Brother Jody, he says that you, you know this. You, 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 you're not learning this. You've already learned it. You know it in your heart. He says, I want you to look back at your labor of yesterday and then realize that your labor today is not in vain. Now, we look back at our previous year and we, man, it looks like, Brother John, it looks like everything that we've done has just fallen on deaf ears. We look in here and there's, there's pews that are empty. There's places that are, that are not filled. And I don't know, I don't know why. I don't understand why, Brother John. But again, i got to say this. If I dwell on the folks that are not here instead of the folks that are here, then I'm doing the majority of disservice. Y'all can help me right there. Amen. Now, people that are not here, they probably have a great reason. And I'm not, I'm not downing them. But I want you to know something today. There is, there is a need to look at the labor that we have done in this previous year and though it may seem as though that it's fallen on deaf ears, and it seems like it's fallen on, on fallow ground, it's, it's as if nothing has really worked, I want you to know that it's not in vain. It wasn't in vain then, and it's not in vain now. There will come a time when somebody may say, you know what? I remember there was a couple months when I drove by Lighthouse Baptist Church on 280 West and there was nobody there. But it didn't take them long until they was meeting out in the church. It didn't take them long until the parking lot was full and they got back in and they didn't want to stop. And listen, I understand that it may come that we have to do it all over again. And God forbid that we do that. But I want you to know today, the labor, the hard work that we put into this church that you have put into this building, that you put into your faith, that you put into reaching someone for Christ, it is not in vain. You say, well, that person is not here. I've been talking to them for months, for years, and they're not here. Just keep working. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. 
he says this, a delightful master, this is the last, a delightful master in the Lord. As a fact, everything that you do or everything that you do not affects someone around you. It does. Every little thing, big or small, it affects someone around you. But more importantly is that we don't lose sight of what we're doing it for. And that's for God. That's for the Lord. Now we can come in here and we can sing our best song so that, so that you get blessed. Or we can sing our best song the best way we know how so that we honor the Father. That's what it's all about. A little while ago when I was getting my words all mixed up, I don't even know how to sing parts, but I think I started singing a part on that one and man, it, it sounded horrible because wasn't nobody singing it with me. Was I singing a part, baby? I wasn't singing right, she said. Bless her heart. <laughs> Something was wrong, Miss Leah. But what I do know is it in here, there was something going on. Because I was remembering his death. And I was remembering that victory. Because I knew I was going to be talking about the victory that came from his death. And it was stirring up within me. And I got to thinking about all those times that, that I prayed and it seemed like Heaven was brass, and, but there was a few times that, that I began to pray and God began to meet with me. And, and there's been a few times Then my mind would go back to the song that she sang, How Great Thou Art. Listen to me. Listen to me today. There is a delightful master, and the reason that we can abundantly do what he's asked us to do is because it's not in vain in the Lord. This year, 2021, I hope I never get to the point where I say 2021 just bothers me. No man, I like to say the long way around. 2021, let's press on. Let's not give up because of last year. You say, well, I've lost so much. Just press on. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't be discouraged about yesterday. Realize that God gave you a night's sleep and God woke you up this morning to start afresh and anew. God may have things in store for you that you had no idea that He was even working on yesterday. Again, the Scripture says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Know today that your labor is not in vain. I told you that at the beginning of the message and on Wednesday night that this verse would be a springboard for this year. Simply put, that means we've got to keep going forward. If we get to the point where it is our four and no more in this church, this church soon will shrivel up and die. I said the other day that Wednesday night, I said that I, 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 want, I want our pews to be filled again. I want new folks to come in. And I believe it's biblical. I believe it's biblical to tithe. 
But I don't want folks to come in just so they can tithe. I don't want folks to come in just so they can fill a pew. I want folks to come into the house of God so they can get fed. Because if they're at the house, they're not getting fed. Amen. If they're at the house, they're watching it online or whatever, that's fine and dandy sometimes. But I tell you what, I need a fellowship. I need to be in the midst of somebody. Today, we've got to go forward. We must work. We're going to have to work together. We're going to have to work individually. But it's going to have to be toward a common goal. And that's to reach somebody for the Lord. Let's stand. Abby, you let me go more than six minutes.